Hello and welcome to the Locust and Honey Podcast. We are two Reformed Southern Baptists who desire to speak the truth of the gospel to the heart of the culture. We are also proud members of the BAR Network. That stands for Biblical and Reformed Network. Today is episode 25. Join us as we discuss, is the SBC keeping the main thing the main thing? Question mark? If you would like to support our growing podcast, you can do so several ways. One, you can leave us a comment and share our podcast on your social media. This would include telling your friends about us. Two, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And three, you can follow the link in our show notes to find all of the other ways that you can support and connect with us. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called both Jew and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you are wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful, not many were of noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who become to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Well, hello and welcome back to the Locust and Honey podcast. My name is Matt. And I'm Andrew. And we have been on a hiatus. Mm. Been a while. Yes, it has. About a month. We've had some technical difficulties, and then we've just been crazy busy. Uh, So we took a summer break from yep. podcasting. But we are back with episode 25. That's right. Which uh, is a big number. It's a big number. It's a quarter of a century. It, yep. It's a quarter years. of 100. Do we know anybody that just turned 25? Well, yes, as a matter of fact. Who? <gasps> Me. Bah, bah, bah. <laughs> I remember when I was a 25-year-old. Really? It's a long time ago. Huh? Well, let's see. When was that? Well, I'm about to turn 40. So that was what, 2007-ish? Ish. Yeah, pre-Obama. Yeah, pre-Obama. Bush years. Yeah. Good good times, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we are rusty yeah. at this old podcasting thing, <laughs> but we're excited to talk about it today. So today's episode is the Southern Baptist keeping the main thing the main thing. Yeah. A lot of stuff's been going on in the Southern Baptist Convention, a lot of stuff that we need to discuss and talk about. But before we get into all of that, 
Andrew, mm-hmm. affirm something and deny something for me today. All right. Well, I'm going to start with my affirmations. I've got two things. One is our new dog, Millie. I Millie would affirm Vanilli. her. She is our dog. Would you? She is affirmed. Now, she is crazy. She's a handful. It's, she's a little Australian Shepherd puppy. She is uh, 11 weeks old as of this moment. And uh, it's... It's it's been it's been wild. So you're like a new parent. Yeah. But not of a human. Not of a human. Yeah. Right. Totally just as hard. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Tiff used to say that too. Yeah. When uh when we had Cavu, who's our boxer for those of you that don't know, when he was a puppy, uh we would be hanging out with our friends that all had little kids and they would be telling war stories of their terrible toddlers <laughs> and Tiff would be like I know <laughs> who does that same thing and they would all look at her like girl are you talking about a dog right now uh, and then we had kids but yeah. yeah it's a good introduction to yeah. responsibility and having to take care of something that's a little yeah I'd say we've had her for we've had her since the beginning of well the very end of May so it's been about what two weeks yeah and uh she has been, I mean, t- she has taken up like all of like everything that we do <laughs> right now has to revolve around her in some way, shape, or form. Right. You know, and that's that's very. I wasn't. I was expecting that, but I wouldn't say I was expecting that to the extent that we've got to do that. Right. You know. Um. So yeah, I would affirm our new dog Millie. She's awesome. She's great. She's little, tiny, and cute. Uh, but she's also crazy in a handful and it's been good for us though. So, um, go. I would also affirm a double affirmation. A double affirm. It's been a while. I don't know if we've ever had a double it's, affirmation. I'm feeling extra positive today. All right. Well, it's we're been recording a while. another one right after this. So don't burn. Oh, up. okay. <laughs> um, so, uh, I would affirm getting older mm. and, uh, some people would not affirm that. Some people would not affirm that. I, so, yes, I just turned 25. Man. Six days, well, it's today. Yeah, about six days ago. And um, as I... Do you still walk upright or do you have to have a cane? <laughs> well, I walk upright. My wife, who's younger than me, has to have a cane. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, but uh, I, as I've kind of gotten older i've noticed that like i've been uh like every 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 time i every time my birthday comes around i look at like where i'm at in life and i'm like you know all right i'm 25 now like last year when i turned 24 i was like all right i'm 24 um did you say that you were 23 when you turned 23 yeah every year i do it it's well actually i would say it's been every year since i was probably it's like been every year since I got into my 20s. So like every since I started, turned 20, I've been like I'm looking man. at where I'm at, you know, and now, like looking at my age and like, you know, I think it started out as kind of a non-healthy thing because I would look and I'm like, all right, I'm 20, I'm 21, I'm 22. Am I where like I need to be in life at this age? I'm 23. Am I where I need to be in life at this age? You know? And um, I think last year I started to kind of catch myself and 
and kind of think through, okay, what is age? Like what, what, what does it mean when we're getting older? You know, what, what should our, uh, thought on that be from like a Christian worldview and and biblical perspective of, and I realize like I'm 25, (laughs) not necessarily that old still, but like, you know, I, I, I don't know. And so I find myself kind of comparing where I should be at this age to my friends or to what the world would say a 23-year-old, a 24-year-old, 25-year-old should be or should be doing or things like that. Um, I just found it wasn't healthy. But I feel like the last two years or so, I've been doing a better job at like trying to say, okay, every year is... Every passing year is a blessing that the Lord has given us. I mean, we have been, you know, I have been blessed with 25 years of, you know, everything that the Lord has been doing, his sovereignty, his provision in my life, his, you know, um, the trials that I've walked through, the the good times, the bad times. He's given me 25 years of earthly life, you know? Yeah. Um, And, and that, I don't know. It kind of brings me joy with every year of like, okay, next year I'll be 26, 27, 28, you know, Lord willing. And I just, I feel like a lot of people are scared of getting older, but I want to try and get myself into a place where I am thankful for the age as opposed to afraid of it. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So you're turning 40 soon. So no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Not very soon. I've got months. You do have until months. Until I turn 40. Yeah. Yeah. But with all of this positivity, is there anything that you want to deny? Um, yeah, I would say I've been kind of looking at different YouTube stuff. So like Roe versus Wade has been going on. That whole thing has mm-hmm. been, I think that's happened since the last time we podcasted. Yeah, we haven't discussed um, any Roe versus Wade stuff. We yeah. haven't discussed any gun control stuff. We haven't discussed any. Right. There's we've been had, a lot of stuff that's happened yeah. in the time we've been on. And so I think one of the things that I'm, it's a denial, but it's something that I've got to get better at is um, denying, I don't even know how to word it, but like, so you read Romans one and you see like the hearts of unbelievers and you see like, okay, they're suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. It has been made plain to them what the truth is because they're made in the image of God but they're suppressing that truth. And so the Lord gives them up to their flesh and the passions of their desires and things like that. Um, and when I see that, I, I found myself getting frustrated at that, even though I know scripture says that and at their, at their suppression of the truth. Okay. So like with abortion, for example, like, um, in that particular, well, I mean, all kind of suppression of truth is important. But like with abortion, you've got people's lives on the line. You know what I mean? We're talking about a mass genocide larger than a lot of, a lot of the ones that we read about in the history books. You know what I mean? And so yeah. it's it's a little bit more urgency trying to... Like I find myself getting a little bit more anxious and urgent about trying to, um, you know, reason through that and get people on the pro-life side. You know what I mean? Even though I know that it's not up to me, it's up to the Holy Spirit. It's up to the Lord who's sovereign, who turns hearts of stones into hearts of flesh. 
And I'd say, I, I guess the denial would be that struggle that I have. I, I, I think, I think part of that is me trying to, to me thinking that humans or people can just reason with other people like Christians can just reason with non-believers and then convince them to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, that's why I like but, the passage that I opened with yeah. because um, the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved is the power of God. Uh, where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of the age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. Like, the world believes itself to be wise, but as we present biblical wisdom, it it, it shows them to be fools. Mm-hmm. And I think a prime example is with the abortion debate. Because you have all these people that are making all of these foolish claims and inconsistent claims, uh, the majority of people that would support some form of abortion um, at, at some point they've got to become inconsistent, right. you know? So most people would not support abortion up until birth. Most people, <clears throat> there's a, a, a lot um, lower threshold on when they would say an abortion, it should be legal. But at what point do you decide that then? There's got to be an inconsistency, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that I like that passage for that re- It just shows that the foolishness of the world is is shown by the truth of God and his word. Yeah. But, all right, well, it's going to be a long episode. We're 15 minutes in and I haven't even affirmed a thing. <laughs> I'm going to affirm in a different direction. I'm going to affirm something that I've affirmed before, and that's just consistency is key. Whether in mm-hmm. our spiritual walk with Christ, um, as I've been in the Word more and more and just pushing the youth that I'm preaching to on a weekly basis, one of the things I'm trying to get them to see is if we are consistent, um, there will be growth. Even... Last night, I was preaching on the sower and the seeds, and the seeds that are planted in good soil are are those who, hearing the word, hold fast and honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. And it's just it's this the the Christian walk following Christ is this consistent trod forward, seeking after Him. And it's it's waking up every day. It's dying to self every day. It's getting in the word every day and letting the word transform our heart and mind and following after him that day. Um, if we were going on a hike, whether it's up Everest or just this incredibly long, arduous journey, each hike is done one step at a time. And you just take each step and after you take a whole bunch of steps, you look back and you see, oh, wow, I've come a long way. When I was in the military and we would go on these 25, 30-mile ruck marches with a lot of weight on our back, uh, each step hurt. Mm-hmm. And if you were thinking about, okay, I've got 10 miles to go, you're, you're mentally not going to be able to make it. But what you have to get to the point is you're like, okay, I can make myself, myself take the next step. 
and then I make myself take the next step. And then over time, you kind of drone out. And when you finally get done, you look back and you did it by taking one step at a time. And sometimes those steps hurt and you don't want to take the next step, but you just make yourself. Um, and so that's the primary way that I want to affirm this. But then secondarily, um, we have been working out and trying to get after it. And consistency there is the same, whether it's consistency in working out or consistency in meal planning and what you're eating, just consistently doing that also pays off. And so I think that as followers of Christ, we should spiritually be working to refine and become spiritually fit. But then as people in this world with these bodies that we've been given, we should also be trying to be the best steward of the bodies that we have so that we can make the most impact for the kingdom as well. And so I've been able to be doing both and I've been enjoying that. And it's not about going really hard one week and then taking two weeks off, but it's about being consistent. And uh, I think that that would apply to this podcast, us just being consistent Mm -hmm. and not going for a month without recording. Um, But that's my affirmation. Uh, My denial is, which I guess this could have been an affirmation, but I'm going to turn this into a denial. Uh, I deny an attack on the Second Amendment. Shall not be infringed means it shall not be infringed. Mm -hmm. And a right is not something that we have to justify. It's something that we have. Right. So if we have a right to keep and bear arms for the purpose of having a well-regulated militia and that right shall not be infringed, then I, I think it means what it means. And I think all of that is biblical in nature. Um, there's a book that I've got called Lex Rex and I really enjoy it. And if any of you would be interested in looking at how some of the the Christians wrestled through a lot of these different thoughts, uh, I would encourage you to read Lex Rex. It's a really good book, but the right to bear arms is a, a right to protect ourselves against tyranny. And that is a biblical right and a biblical mandate that God has given us. And so, um, I'll keep it short and sweet because I think that could be a whole episode in and of itself. Mm-hmm. But I affirm or I deny an infringement on the Second Amendment um, for those two reasons. Uh, a right does not have to be defended. It's it's just a right. It's right. something that we have. And um, shall not be infringed means exactly what it says. It shall not be infringed. So with all of that said, let's jump into the Southern Baptist Convention. There's been a lot. Um, Today's episode is specifically going to be kind of not a recap, but just addressing some things that came out in the annual meeting. Uh, But we also at some point need to talk about and discuss uh, what happened a couple weeks before that with all of um, that, that independent study that was released with a lot of leadership taking and abusing power that they had Mm. for the purpose of um, sexually abusing different people. And and so that definitely needs to be addressed because uh, we do not affirm that um, 
and 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 that's a, an issue that that needs to be fixed and it'll be interesting to see if the Southern Baptist Convention steps up to to doing that but today what I want to talk about is more looking at what happened at the annual convention meeting and just kind of talking about that and discussing that we've titled this is the SBC keeping the main thing the main thing and that came from Rick Warren who is a Southern Baptist convention um He's in fellowship with the Southern Baptist Convention. His church is mm-hmm. identified as a Southern Baptist church. Um, there has been, I guess last year, there was a, um, oh, I forget the language, but there was a, a push to- A motion. A motion yeah. to disfellowship Saddleback from the SBC because of his ordination of women- and last year that was tabled and it was brought back up this year. And so some people were talking about that and Rick Warren got up and defended his church. And um, for those that did not hear or were not there or haven't listened, basically he was saying that since he's been a pastor, he has... Um, there was a lot of baptisms that he quoted. There was a lot of salvations that he quoted. There was 1.1 million pastors that he said he's trained, which he then said, he's sorry to say, but that's more than the Southern Baptist seminaries combined have trained. And, um, and then he ended it with saying, listen, we don't need to be distracted with these secondary issues. We need to keep the main thing, the main thing. And I was not at the convention. It was in Anaheim, California this year. Oh, was I? <laughs> and, uh, but I've, I've talked to some people that were there. I've talked to uh, some other friends of mine. Um, I've listened to the, the video. And I, my main question with what he was saying was, okay, Rick, what is the main thing? Right. And it it sounded like his answer would be the main thing is look at the fruit that I've produced in my ministry. Um, we've had this many thousands of baptisms, this many thousands of salvations, uh, this many millions of pastors that I've personally trained. And um, while the numbers that were given um, is a discussion in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The question is, is, well, okay, so look at these things that I've done. That is the main thing, which is kind of this this understanding that the unity is on the Great Commission, which we've talked about this before in our episode, Should I Stay or Should I Go? Mm-hmm. Looking at... Um, just things that we've wrestled with, with being in the Southern Baptist convention. And, um, what we talked about there is there's this push for unity to be around the great commission. Um, and, and it sounds like Rick Warren is, is seconding that. And he's saying, look at all these things I'm doing for the great commission. This is the main thing. We need to rally behind this and support this. 
and don't get caught up with the secondary issues of me ordaining women as pastors. And when he talked, after he, he talked, there was a, a several, I don't know how many uh, percentage of the room, but he got a standing ovation, all standing ovation from people. Um, so that then led the credentials committee to, um, to have to make a decision on, are we going to disfellowship Saddleback Church? And basically what they said was many use the term pastor in a way not defined biblically. So there's a lot of churches that are using the word pastor and it's not defined biblically. So what they were saying is that the majority of people that are using this word pastor um, are, are talking of a lead pastor. And they would say, then they said staff positions are not pastors. So a, a pastor of youth or a pastor of music or a pastor of education or a pastor of children or a pastor of these different things, those are staff positions. Um, and they would say biblically that when the Bible uses the term pastor, they're talking about lead pastor. And the problem is the Bible makes no distinction for lead pastor. That that role of lead pastor or preaching pastor that we've designated to people, uh, the Bible makes no distinction of that. So what they said is we're going to have to table this for another year and we're going to have to define biblically what is a pastor. Mm. Um, so we would hold to a plurality of elders and by we, I mean me and you individually mm. would hold to a plurality of elders, um, or a plurality of pastors, elder, pastor, same word being used. And our argument is that the Bible makes no distinction for a lead pastor and then his staff. And the lead pastor is doing all of these decision makings and he's preaching and he's doing all of this stuff. Um, we would argue that there is this plurality of elders that God has put over a local body of believers and they together are praying and seeking the Lord and coming together and discussing and coming up with direction and leadership for that church. And so there might be lay pastors that have jobs elsewhere that are paying them full time, but they are just as much pastors of that flock as the guy that's preaching every Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. And when they are making decisions, they have just as much weight with the decisions that they're making as the head guy that's preaching every Sunday morning. Um, and, and, and so that's kind of what's been going on there with that. Um, the other thing all this brought into is talking about the Baptist faith and message 2000, um, Greenway, who is the president of Southwest Baptist seminary. He said that the Southern Baptist convention is confessional. It's not creedal. And so there's no strict adherence to the Baptist Faith and Message 2000 and that we do not impose any creed on a church body. And, and so uh, I was talking to a guy today, actually, and um, we were talking about this and he asked a question. Uh, Nick, shout out to you if you're listening, old Nick Mason. <laughs> he said, if we can't fellowship with... Uh, if we can't disfellowship for ordaining women, could we fellowship 
or could we disfellowship for baptizing babies? Mm-hmm. You know, um, if if saying okay, you've ordained women, which specifically goes against the Baptist faith and message, but more importantly, goes against Scripture, which is what the Baptist faith and message was founded on. It's a it's a confession that says, here's what we believe scripture to say. And it's very specific that pastors should be the husband of one wife. It's a, it's a male role in the, in the Southern, in the Baptist faith of message 2000. And so, um, the, the resolution came up to disfellowship Saddleback because they have been ordaining women at their church. And the credentials committee has basically said, we're not going to make a decision on that. We need to have a year to define what is a pastor, mm. which is exactly what's been going on in the culture. We, right. we can't define what a woman is. Right. So let's give us some time. Let's define what a woman is. Um, and, and we talked about this, you know, you got uh, Katanji Brown, who it was in her uh, Senate review. They asked her, can, can you tell us what a woman is? And she laughed and said, no, I'm not a biologist. <laughs> Um, so the culture is having a hard time defining what a woman is, but the Southern Baptist convention, at least its leadership is having a hard time defining what a pastor is. And they're is. supposed to be pastors. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, Katanji Brown's a, a woman, a woman. Yeah. Self-proclaimed. Right. <laughs> so, but, um, so yeah, there's just, there's a lot of stuff that's going on. Um, the, so I don't know. Um, another pastor that I love and respect a lot, he said, basically the Southern Baptist Convention has turned into a big tent with no edges on the tent. We're just this big tent with no edges, and we're willing to let anybody who is wanting to associate with us associate with us. So that goes back to kind of the conversation that I want to have is, one, I want to hear your thoughts on all this that I've been talking about. And then two, specifically going back to Greenway, talking about we're confessional, not creedal. Mm-hmm. Um, is it important to be confessional? Is it important to be creedal? Because me and you would affirm the Baptist Confession of Faith 1689. Right. And, and we would be creedal. Right. Um, and, and what he says is that there's no strict adherence to the Baptist faith and message 2000 and we impose no creed on churches. Is that wrong to do? Should we just be this big tent with no edges on the tent or should there be a, a standard of this is us as Southern Baptists that gather together and call ourselves members of this convention is there a standard to be met to be a member of this convention or is it just open to anybody who's willing to give us their money? Yeah. Um, it reminds me of a, so we went to a, um, I guess it was a meeting. I wouldn't necessarily call it a, I guess it was a conference you could say, but the shepherd's conference, the uh, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Yeah. Um, that's what I meant. (laughs) And, um, and Ligon Duncan was there and he was, it was opened up to a question and answer. And he actually, the, someone asked, what is the biggest problem in the SBC right now, in your opinion? And I, I actually liked his answer. He said, pragmatism, you know? Yeah. Um, and 
I think really that. So like the whole like Rick Warren, for example, when he's talking about, well, you know, I've brought up this many pastors and, you know, planted this many churches and all this stuff. Yeah. Um, well, the really the answer should be so. <laughs> you by, know, are by, we by what standard? By what standard? You know, yeah. that should still be the answer. It doesn't matter how many churches yeah. you've planted. It doesn't matter how many pastors you've raised up. By what standard are you, you know, holding your church to? Yeah. Or by what standard are you living as a pastor? And I think, basically, it, like I said, know? it goes back to when we were talking about the Georgia Baptist Convention mm-hmm. and this call to rally and be united on the Great Commission. But if we're not united on God's word, right. you can't unite on the Great Commission. Right. If we are missing God's word and and the gospel specifically, if I'm raising up women pastors in my church and 1% of that 1.1 million pastors that I've trained are women, then I'm I'm not adhering to God's word. Right. I'm not meeting the scriptural standard. So, yeah, I, I think it goes back to that is we're united on scripture, which is why I read that passage that I read in 1 Corinthians, because what, what he's saying there is we stand on scripture alone and we make sure not to stand on anything else. So we're not standing on what I've done, he even said, you know, I, I'm glad that I didn't baptize all of you because um, some of you are saying, well, I was baptized by Paul. I was baptized by Apollos. I was baptized by this person and that person. Mm-hmm. And um, he said, it's not about us. We're all baptized in the name of Christ. Right. We're all under Christ. We were all baptized in his name. It doesn't matter the person that's doing the baptism. What matters is the power that it is that cleansed us. And that is Christ. He's the one that cleansed us. But in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 6, it says, um, um, I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. So what Paul's saying is, Hey guys, do not go beyond what is written because when you start going beyond what is written, it's going to cause you to get puffed up in yourself. Mm-hmm. And and so our authority as pastors is only under the umbrella of scripture. Mm-hmm. When we step outside of that umbrella, we become puffed up in ourselves because <clears throat> just like the passage that we read at the beginning, God uses the foolish to confound the wise. He uses the weak to confound the strong. He uses all of that so that he alone gets the glory. The churches that we are pastors of are not because we are awesome people. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, Rick Warren's church, if it's based on him, those numbers are irrelevant. Right. And so the problem with pragmatism is what they say is, the father with the most kids is the best father. Mm-hmm. That's not true. Right. The way that works the most to draw a crowd does not mean that you have the best church. If that was the case, then the Braves are the, the best church in Georgia. Right. Because they draw the most people. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Right. Um, but it's, it's 
that's not how you discern. That's not how you determine if there's a healthy church. You determine it by the health of the individual sheep. Um, if if I am a shepherd of sheep and I have a lot of sheep, but they're malnourished and they're dying and they're straying off and I can't keep up with them, I'm not a good shepherd. But on the other hand, if I'm a shepherd of five sheep and they're healthy and they're well-fed and they're well-watered and they love the shepherd because he is caring for them and he is instilling biblical principles in them, uh, that is what makes a healthy church. And that's kind of my argument in all of this is I don't care about numbers. What I care about is are we united on scripture or are we saying we're keeping the main thing, the main thing, but we disagree on what the main thing is. Right. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing is with regards to the numbers, just briefly, I mean, if there seriously is that many pastors being raised up, that many churches planted, then what, why is our culture looking the way it is? Right. You know, if there's that many. <laughs> yeah. If you train 1.1 million like, pastors. Right. Where's that impact? Where are they at? You know what I mean? Um, no, but uh, the other thing that we were talking about with the creeds and the confessions, I think one of the things that the SBC is kind of hiding behind and and using to justify this idea that we can just let loose of the creeds and confessions that we have is their definition of what the SBC is as an entity. So... Um, what they said, what I saw in one of the videos that I watched with the uh, at the annual meeting was someone was up there and she was talking about how you know as the southern at the Southern Baptist Convention we are not you know here to impress anything upon the churches that we are over so or that fellowship with us so this is an right. idea of church autonomy right yeah um, so if you are in the SBC you as a church are still autonomous. You can still make the decisions. You, you are your own church. Yeah. And that is, that's a good thing, right? Right. Now, the problem with that is that when you take that and you, I think they're starting to use that to be able to justify, well, if we say that women can't be pastors and we impress that upon the churches that are in the SBC, we're all of a sudden going from, church autonomy to us impressing things on the churches. Right. And, but well, the problem that, with- So like Al Mohler's response yeah. to that was, if if we're doing that, then why do we even have a confession right. in the first well, place? Yeah, at that point though, yeah. What is the point of the confession? Right. What is, what, well, why so are we- Well, so that's a good question. You know what I mean? What is the point of the Baptist Faith and Message 2000? Well, I would say that the point is to- ensure fellowship of like-minded churches and believers, you know, um, that ultimately what the SBC does is it, it, one of the things that it is good for is it is basically a, a massive conglomeration of churches that, you know, all send their money in and all. And so like, you've got kind of this massive entity that can do a lot of stuff that for the kingdom, right? You can have seminaries, you can train up pastors, you can train up missionaries, Could you can you train do all up these 1. things. 1 million pastors? Well, apparently not. <laughs> 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 so, 
because uh, SBC isn't up to okay. up to par so, there. So but. what about this though? We impose no creed. Mm-hmm. Is that a good thing? Because mm-hmm. so we've got friends that are non-denominational. Right. We've got friends that are Presbyterian. We've got all kinds of friends that are listening in on this podcast, and mm-hmm. they're saying, you know, um, I don't know what they're saying, but for them listening, is it a good thing? To, to say that we impose no creed on the autonomous churches that are members of or have fellowship with the Southern Baptist Convention? Well, I'd say no, it's not a good thing to okay. impose no creed. So, yeah, so where I'm coming from is I would want to see us creedal. Mm-hmm. And this is where it comes between me and you talking and saying, okay, well, do we want to continue to partner with the Southern Baptist Convention or do we want to go more of a Reformed Baptist route? Mm-hmm. Um, because me and you would hold, as we said, to the 1689 London Baptist Confession. Right. Um, and the Baptist Faith and Message 2000 is a watered-down version of that. It was created to be a little more open on... Reform theology on different aspects um, so that more people could affirm it together. The purpose of the Baptist faith and message is exactly what you're saying. You've got all of these churches that are Baptist churches that are saying, we affirm these points. And in affirming these points, we want to give money together to train pastors and to send missionaries. Mm-hmm. That's what the Southern Baptist Convention was founded on. Um, we've got these churches. We affirm the Baptist faith and message, which is to say we affirm that Scripture says this. And in affirming Scripture says this, we want to partner with other churches that affirm the same thing, and we want to start seminaries to train pastors, and we want to partner together for missions, whether that's international missions or North American missions. And and at its heart, that's what the Southern Baptist Convention is. Mm-hmm. The reason that there are people that think like us that are still a part of the Southern Baptist Convention is because they see that there is a potential for good in that. But there are fewer and fewer of us because the Southern Baptist Convention as the corporation that it's become is continually moving further and further away from that. So when I hear Dr. Greenway's statement, I don't hear that as a good thing when he's saying that there's no strict adherence to the Baptist faith and message 2000. We impose no creed. That's where we get this big tent with no edges on the tent Mm -hmm. and we're just trying to spread the flaps of the tent wider and wider to fit more people under it, which is what Billy Graham did. That Mm -hmm. was the crusades. And we, we, when we open up the tent wider and wider, you can't do that and still be theologically grounded. So people like you and me, when we're talking about creeds, um, So I would say that the London Baptist Confession is a more robust creed or even a more robust confession than the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. In today, 
and and really looking at the history of the church, we have always affirmed some sort of creed. Mm-hmm. Why would we do that? Why would we be creedal? Why would we be confessional? And I think the answer is because there is such a thing as truth and the Bible means what it means. And we want to plant a flag in the ground and say, us as Christians, this is what we believe the Bible to say. Mm-hmm. We affirm these things. Um, and then in doing that, we also deny these things. Right. So for us, we affirm that a pastor is a biblical role and that there is a standard to be a pastor. We, we affirm that it's a male. We affirm that he's not a new convert. We affirm that he can pastor his home well. We affirm that he is not a glutton. We affirm that he is not a drunkard. We affirm all of these things, right? Um, and not only that, but we affirm that there is evidence that the Lord has equipped this person for that role. Um, and that's affirmed by a church body. That's a church, affirmed by the church body that's ordaining that pastor. Um, and so there is a standard. For deacons, there is a standard. We affirm that these are men that are lead servants in the church and the Lord has equipped them to do that and is um, there's a standard for that as well. And it goes into all aspects of the church, um, which is why we hold to the, the confession that we hold to because it is a more robust confession. And we're not following people that wrote it, but we're affirming with the people that wrote it this is what we affirm scripture to say. So we're not choosing a team, but we're digging our stakes deep into the word of God and saying the culture is adrift. The culture has no sense of truth. The culture has no sense of morality. The culture has no sense of all of these things. Here's what we affirm God's word to say, and here's what we deny God's word to say. God's word clearly tells us what a man is and the distinct roles of a man, God's word clearly tells us what a woman is and the distinct roles of a female. All of these aspects of life, who marries who, God's word clearly tells us that. And we affirm that it tells us that. And we deny that it tells us anything else. You know? Right. So I disagree with Dr. Greenway. And I I think that there needs to be more of an imposition of a confession or a creed because then you get back to Nick's question and if we can't disfellowship uh, for ordaining women can we disfellowship for baptizing babies right you know can our Presbyterian brothers who we would affirm are followers of Christ and we would partner with and sharing the gospel and all of these things but we're not members of the same church because we would disagree on infant baptism versus regenerational baptism, um, can they be members of the Southern Baptist Convention? You know? Right. If there's no standard, then you get into mucky water because mm-hmm. we're all giving money for the purpose of training pastors and sending missionaries. And that gets us back to our initial question is, what is the main thing? Right. Is it a partnering on a great commission or is it a partnering on God's word and training pastors who affirm what we believe God's word to be saying? Mm-hmm. You know, 
Well, and, and you know, who decides... Well, a couple of things. Who decides a couple of things? Number one, you know, the more, I guess, deeper question would be who decides what we take, what parts of Scripture we take seriously and what parts of Scripture we don't, what parts of Scripture we um, actually adhere to and live out, and what parts of Scripture we say, well, the Bible says that, but that was, you know. Like, at that point, we are the arbiter of truth, and that's right. that's not a good position to yeah. be in. Um, I was going to say this too real quick. Um, so like what we're not arguing for is that we say, okay, this is, this is our creed and Hey, pastor, so-and-so you have to teach all of this stuff, right? right? Yeah. You, you disagree with reform theology, but you've got to teach Calvinism or I, I am a post-millennial and you have to teach post-millennialism at your church. It's mm-hmm. not what we're saying. What we're saying is, um, I, the pastor is accountable to God for his rightly dividing scripture, right? And so that pastor is affirmed by that local body of believers to be the spokesperson and the one, the shepherd, the under shepherd of Christ for those people. Mm-hmm. And in them ordaining him, they're saying, we submit to your leadership to guide us in the word. Um, so we believe in autonomy of churches. Right. Um, but what we are saying is, if I'm giving money to train people to become pastors, I want to know that I'm giving money to the to these institutions to biblically teach them and have some sort of a confessional understanding of what they're being taught. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I want them to 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 have this standard. Um, I don't want to send a kid in my church that feels called to be a pastor to go learn under Rick Warren and and start teaching things that I would completely disagree with Rick about. Right. You know what I mean? And so why am I giving money at that point to something I don't believe is biblical? Right. You know? Um, so instead of just letting more people in for the sake of having more numbers and more money and all of that, that's why I'm saying we need to close the sides of the tent. There mm-hmm. needs to be some sort of confession, some sort of creed that says we are different than this person, mm-hmm. um, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, and at some point you've got to, like you're saying, I mean, this is inevitably going to have to end because if the tent flaps just keep going out further and further and further, you start to get into... Well, yeah, you start to get into the baptizing babies issue. You start to get into affirming LGBTQ pastors and things like that. And that has got to do with repentance. You know, at that point, you're talking about repentance. You're talking about, you know, what it means to be a follower of Christ and things like that. So at some point, it's inevitable that you're going to have to close it off. (laughs) Right. And I think the the more that we run away from that, the more that we deny that and just say to ourselves, well, well, every church is autonomous and we've got to, you know, we're not creedal. We can't be creedal. At some point you have to be creedal because at some point you've got to affirm something. You've got to affirm what repentance is. You've got to affirm what the gospel itself means for us as believers. How, you know, Christ died for our sins, how we are, you know, 
completely unjustified before a holy God, you've got to affirm all of that. You know what I mean? So yeah. at some point, affirmations have to be made and denials have to be made. And I think the further we run away from that, the worse it's going to be when that inevitably happens. Well, and I you know? think, and this is probably a good place to end this episode, but I think what that pushes us to as two Reformed Southern Baptists mm. is to have that conversation with each other, you know? Um, if the Southern Baptist Convention is unwilling to lower the sides of the tent, at what point do we say we can no longer right. partner with these people? And that takes us back to our episode, Should I Stay or Should I Go? And our really the conclusion that we came to is we would encourage churches to stay and fight in as much as they're fighting more than they're funding. And if I'm able to impact people with the gospel and I'm able to rally people around the word of God and not just around some pragmatic theology or some pragmatic point, um, then I think it's beneficial for churches to stay. But if our funding, what's going on, is greater than our ability to fight what's going on, then it's time to leave. Mm-hmm. And and so I think what it does for us is it makes us sit down and really look at, should I stay or should I go? You know, mm-hmm. should those that want a more robust um, confession with the sides of the tent closed, should we all say, okay, there's no room for us here anymore. We need something that's biblical and that there is a set boundary of we are not going into this water. Um, so uh, I hope that that's helpful for you guys listening. Um, our desire is to see the Southern Baptist Convention be a body that is doing what it was created to do, and that's training pastors to know the word and rightly divide the word and training missionaries to bring the truth of the gospel to people that need to hear it. Um, and we want to stay and fight as long as our ability to fight is not outweighed by us funding things that we don't believe to be biblical. Mm-hmm. So we pray for the convention. Uh, we pray for those of you that are in the convention. And if you're not in the convention, we desire your prayers as well. So with that said, I hope that you're having a good Lord's Day and we will see you next week. Yes. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.